Welcome to the fifth episode of BAI Communications Smart Communities podcast, where we speak with business leaders and industry experts to ask them what the future holds for connectivity. In part two of this special two-part episode, we continue the conversation between Susan Shaheen and Brendan O'Reilly with a deeper look at the key takeaways from the Connectivity Outlook report, including how connected technology can help to improve transport equity, how public transport creates a backbone for smart cities, and what exciting innovations the future holds. How important is it for us to take advantage of some of the technologies that improve equitable access? And and, and some of the research you've done around this would be really great for people to hear, I think. Yeah, well, thank you so much for for asking me about this question, because it's it's something my uh, research group, almost all my doctoral students are working on questions associated with equitable access now. And I think the pandemic was a trigger in some ways to really elevate this this particular question. It's not that it was not there, but that younger people who are who are deciding what their dissertation topic is going to be about are really turning to this question of are people of different races experiencing the same transportation in terms of its accessibility? Are lower income people are people living in more rural areas getting the same type of access relatively speaking uh, what about women what are their experiences on public transit for example is it is it the same experience of of a man for example and so what we've been seeing more and more is that the more you ask questions about equitable access the more there's opportunities to provide more equitable access. We did um, a photo voice study, which is really fascinating, which really allows you to look in particular at things like infrastructure. And so we were doing a study on first mile, last mile connectivity with services like Uber, yeah. Lyft. And we weren't going in necessarily expecting to find certain things. This is why I love to do research, right? You have you have questions, right? That you want to look at accessibility, you want to look at first mile, last mile. But one of the biggest takeaways we had, actually there's two, and one is super related to your research. So first was there are definitely very clear differences in men and women. Yeah. And then the second piece is very much around safety and security. And both men and women really respond to this, but I would say that they respond in different ways and they have different types of coping mechanisms. Like women might wait for an on-demand ride that could take them to the BART line or the transit line. They might do that in front of a well-lit store And they also had a lot of requests for things like in-app features that could aid them in a safety situation. So if they were in a situation in which they felt insecure, not only could they notify a public transit authority or a company, but they could also notify their loved ones all in-app. So super interesting findings around, I think, equitable access and taking into consideration all of these different aspects of what I would call social equity. I think it's a really good point. And, you know, as a, as a, as a white middle-aged man, you know, I know my ridership experience in London is very different 
to almost anybody else. The experience is very different for everybody. And I think understanding that, as you say, and asking questions and probing is really important. And then understanding how technology might be able to help to bridge that gap um, is key as well, because not just from a safety point of view, but from a from an access for all point of view, as you said, whether that be, you know, the colour of your skin and, and how you're treated by staff, or whether that be your ability to get on and off trains and how much you, you take that control back. I think it's it's really important. And as, as as cities evolve into smart cities, how do you see the role of technology and transportation? You know, they, they could be fantastic backbones for that smart city of the future and access for all and, you know, giving access to underserved communities. But how do you see the role of transportation and connectivity in that? Oh, I think transportation and, and connectivity are central to a smart city, right along with managing your waste, managing your water supplies. I think all of these things are a system that we all benefit from. And when one portion of the system isn't, isn't working well, for example, leaving some people out, or if the water system is down or the electricity or the grid is down in one part of the system, right? It hurts the rest of the system in many ways. So public transit is, is so critical to people's ability to get around and to move. And in many ways, I, I just think it's a fundamental right. So when cities are thinking about the city of the future, or how can I become a smart city? It's hard for me to imagine that they wouldn't think almost immediately about their transportation system and their public transit system. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you. And I think uh, as you see cities try to become smarter, um, the idea over the last sort of five, six years has been, let's do small little things and, and gradually become smarter. I think the cities that, that are taking a holistic approach to it of how do we use transportation? How do we get um, business involved in this? What are the business needs of the future in our, in our towns and cities? Those are the cities that are really um, stepping up in terms of that holistic approach to, to what their communities to, to what their communities need. And I think that leads me on to another interesting trend and, and it's a continued trend between the last two reports was that passengers are supporting increased investment um, in, in infrastructure. So as we continue to develop um, connected infrastructure, um, what should some of the main development goals be now and over the next 10 years for companies like BAI and cities like San Francisco, New York, London? Yeah, well, one of the, the really interesting statistics that came out of your study was that 93% of the respondents are in favor of government funding for wireless and fiber networks. And so that really gets to that holistic vision of a smart connected network, one that really supports smooth, seamless operations from the transit operator's perspective, but also a seamless experience for their connectivity above ground. So I think that's an indication that the public does want public transit to upgrade and to be just as technologically advanced in many ways as you would expect a business to be. So that when they're traveling around, they have that, that security and that knowledge that they're not disconnected from 
their work or from their family um, and particularly can communicate, as we noted, when there's potentially an unsafe situation. And I, I think this is just absolutely crucial as we move into an era of big data and transportation to provide better operations of a complex network, which is essentially what public transit is. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think the other thing that's an interesting trend for me is as private networks grow and the number of private networks grow, actually companies, uh, businesses, you know, healthcare associations are taking more control over their connectivity and the role between macro networks that provide large area coverage and and the role between private networks that are, are very specific coverage and capacity needs and and use cases i think is a, another interesting trend and you know the role that you know a private network for transport and what that might do for a city or a community is is fascinating but but one thing that that we haven't touched on and you know whenever you talk about transit of the future everybody you know, thinks about uh, car, driverless cars, you know, uh, autonomous vehicles. Um, Susan, what do you, what, what's your view and what can we expect over the coming years? Yeah, this is an area I do a lot of, of research on. In fact, uh, I have a book coming out on this any day now. I'm waiting for it <laughs> to come out. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you on this vision of future transit is it's driverless, right? That's what yeah what people have in their minds now. And I, I think the future is already here, right? It's just not evenly distributed as a, a famous author once said, Gibson. There's a lot of low speed public transit shuttles being deployed around the globe. We just received uh, a really substantial grant from the Department of Energy to test one of these systems on a college campus. And we have a, a bunch of really cool use cases, including yeah. a social equity one that's focused on staff who've been moved out of the campus environment because college campuses just continue to grow and they need more yeah. space. So moving some of the staff off into the, into the city, but the implications for them is then I have to bring a car and then there's just no place to put the cars. Yeah, yeah. So having, um, a low speed automated shuttle that can provide them with accessibility to that transit without requiring them to then have to go purchase a car if they, they don't need to. We also have another use case that I'm really excited about, which is late night transportation. So we're going to be focusing on the needs of, of people who feel more vulnerable late at night and also people with disabilities. So I think we're going to see even more of this. And the reason I think it's really exciting is that in these contexts where you're providing essentially gap fillers, so first mile, last mile connectors to public transit or providing pop-up transit where you didn't have transit at all is an environment often where you can have a lower speed vehicle. You don't need a high speed vehicle and you can have it shared by a number of people. And when you start to get into more mixed traffic, when you start to get into higher speeds, this is where moving into what we call full automation becomes much more challenging to offer. And so these visions of the city of the future that have 
all of these purely automated vehicles with no driver whatsoever mixing with trucks and passenger or pedestrians and cyclists it's really really difficult to deliver from an engineering standpoint so i think what we're going to see is the continuation of a lot of these low speed options now they may not be the best option in a rural location but i think they provide us with a lot of opportunities to fill gaps in our transit networks so you're saying I'm a couple of years away from my hover vehicle, basically. That's that's what I heard. I'm 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 close. No, uh, we, I live in hope. I live in hope. Um, look, Susan, it's been great. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Before before we 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 sign off, is there anything I should have asked you? What 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 else is really exciting you about? You know, connectivity and transportation, and some of the study study and research that's that's happening at UC Berkeley. Well, I think. You know, a lot of our work is focused on on societal equity these days, and I, I think I can't underscore how important I think this is, particularly for groups like yours that are focused on public transit, which I would argue, again, is a public good. So how can BAI and others in your network use data, use technology to close those gaps, to be a great equalizer. I think that is super important. And the second thing I wanna leave you with is sustainability, right? We're, we're facing climate change and public transit and higher occupancy vehicles, more active forms of transportation are gonna get us closer to carbon neutrality and moving us away from car dependency and fossil fuels. So I think really also understanding and communicating the benefits of public transit and moving a lot of people in the same amount of space is yep. many times a car is super critical. And how can we use data to help measure and track that and provide performance metrics and, and feed into the conversation about reducing our greenhouse gas emissions. Oh, it's, it's such a good point. I think, you know, the, the Connectivity Outlook report has highlighted a number of issues, but actually it's by bringing together that report with research that you're doing and actually talking to transportation authorities and cities like, like, like we are in New York and San Francisco and London, that you truly understand the the opportunity that's out there to start to build the city of the future. And you know, the idea of a connected backbone, transportation as a connected backbone, not just for connecting people, but data and enhancing their, their experience. Equitable access is absolutely something that, you know, we need to continue to drive for. And the idea that we can, that, you know, a connected city is a sustainable city is something that I think we, you know, we at BAI are really passionate about. So Susan, as ever, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on our, on our podcast. Um, same time next year, right? We'll see what the third one says. And I, I, I'm, I'm waiting, Brendan. <laughs> I'm, I'm delighted to uh, be part of, of your reviewer team and keep up the, the fantastic work. We, we really need your, your insights and your support to move public transit forward. No, thank you very much. And thank you, everybody. Hope you enjoyed our pod today.